bold vision, inspirational leadership, drive, determination, creativity. Welcome to Secrets of Staffing Success, a podcast where we talk to innovators and thought leaders in the staffing industry to discover the strategies and tactics that make these top performers stand out. And here are your hosts, the co-CEOs of Haley Marketing, Victoria Kenward and David Cerns. Hey everyone, we are very pleased to welcome you to our first ever live podcast recording session. This episode was recorded at Staffing World 2021 in Denver, Colorado. And the good news, we had some amazing guests that we met with live in Denver. The bad news, sound quality. Sorry folks, but this is our first road show and you know, let's just say we've got some learning to do. So we'll work on improving it for the future, but with that in mind, I hope you continue listening for some great insights from Bradley Block, Chief Operations Officer with Staffing the Universe. (laughs) Gotta love that name. They're a 40-year-old, third-generation staffing company that's on a mission to, well, staff the universe. In today's show, Brad tells us about the importance of family and business values, the keys to growing from a hometown staffing firm to one of the industry's largest players, serving 50 states and 23 foreign countries, how they built a world-class leadership team, a few of uh, his personal silver linings from COVID, and the secrets to surviving Thanksgiving dinner, also known as when Monty lets you know it's time to start talking about business. Secrets of Staffing Success is brought to you by Haley Marketing. Back in August of this year, Haley Marketing celebrated our 25th birthday. As part of our celebration, we did what we do best, gave away lots of ideas with a special event called the Smart Idea Summit. Over seven hours, we had 14 presentations by many of the industry's leading consultants, sharing ideas on strategy, sales, recruiting, operations, and of course, marketing. And good news, we recorded everything and made it free to watch. You can check out all of the presentations at haleymarketing.com forward slash 25 bash. Again, that URL is haleymarketing.com forward slash the number 25 B-A-S-H. We hope you enjoy our birthday present to the industry. We are back at Staffing World for our second Secrets of Staffing Success episode. I'm excited to do this one. Um, Our guest today, I've talked to quite a few times this year. Really cool family business. You know I love family businesses. Me too. So um, without making him wait too long since he's sitting over here staring at us. Well, hang on, hang on. Let's just do the disclaimer. We're in the expo hall. There's a ton of background noise. So, and there's people walking by. So we get distracted. It's okay, but just want to put that out there. So if we suddenly say anything really stupid, it's not our fault. (laughs) All right. But without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome Bradley Block from Staffing the Universe to the show. Welcome, Brad. Hi, thanks for having me. So- all right. You, besides the fact that you have like the coolest company name in the entire industry, tell us a little bit about your story and your family business. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's definitely an interesting and unique name for sure. Uh, we get a lot of commentary on it and it stands out with, uh, within the industry. People want to know, are we actually staffing the whole universe? Uh, we, we like to think so. We've done some projects uh, working with NASA and even going outside of the atmosphere. So I think that qualifies. I think it definitely, it definitely does. I think so. If you're going to follow Elon to Mars, you've got it nailed. Hey, SpaceX was a uh, customer for ours, of ours for a long time as well. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll keep trying to do our best to support those type of contracts. 
But uh, no, my, I'm very fortunate, I'd say. Uh, I, I'm third generation in the staffing industry. Um, my grandfather was one of the original founders of a very large, now publicly traded staffing company. He had worked there for over 40 years. Uh, when my father started in the business, um, my father, Monty Block, uh, has been around the uh, industry for 40 plus years at this point, I think. Uh, most people, at least if you attend the conferences, you know him or you've seen I say, him. If you don't know Matty, you need to know him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he's usually the one throwing the really tough questions at people. Uh, so he's become pretty famous for that. But uh, he started his career, uh, you know, 46 years ago now. And he had originally gone to work with my grandfather at that publicly traded staffing company. They worked together there for 20 years. Uh, Monty left that company. Uh, bought into a very small, at that point, uh, engineering company. It was a local New Jersey firm doing about $4 million a year. And my grandfather retired. Um, and then as my father started building that business, my grandfather came out of retirement, now to work for his son instead of having his son work for him. Um, they started building and growing. And uh, I guess it was right around, ooh, uh, I guess eight years into that, maybe 10 years in, uh, I, I joined the, uh, the uh, company full-time. And then shortly after that, my sister, my brother, my mother all joined in to really become a part. But, wow. Yeah, my mother really started in the business when my father bought into it. But she started picking up a larger and larger role, um, eventually opening up her own staffing company as part of the family group uh, as well. Today, there's five blocks um, running the organization. We're doing business in all 50 states. We run projects that cover 23 foreign countries. Um, I wouldn't say that we necessarily staff in all those countries, but we're doing projects where we deploy people into 23 foreign countries. Um, we have a team of over 100 internal staff. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we've built ourselves a nice family group of companies, seven in total. And uh, we, we continue to expand our business lines, handling everything from staffing, payrolling, MSP, INA, uh, independent contractor compliance, um, some SOW work. So we really touch on a little bit of everything. So the, uh, the seven brands, are they focused on different skill specialties or do you have overlap? There's definitely overlap. Um, but we, we created the brands, we, we went in that direction specifically um, to, to segment verticals, what was the original reason. And just over the years, you know, those lines sometimes blur, especially as you're building and growing an organization. Yeah, clients do that, right? They ask for things and, and you deliver. So exactly. that's a good thing. And, you know, in the typical, I, I don't know if it's family business, definitely small business, scrappy mentality. We don't like to say no. Yeah. So we, we always like to say yes and you know, pick up business and find a way to do it. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty error. So tell us about the family dynamics. Like how do you work together? What's good? What's bad? So uh, again, I'll say I've been very fortunate in this space. I know a lot of family businesses and I've heard the ups and downs and goods and bad and sometimes there's the true horror stories. But in my case, I've been very lucky. Um, my family's been very close my entire life. So it sort of seemed like a natural progression to go into a family business. I know um, there was no pressure at all from my parents, uh, um, from my side. I was originally uh, looking at a marketing career. 
I was looking at agency work in New York. Well, and We're hiring. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. You know, make sure Monty acts right. You know, tell him I've got other opportunities. There you go. But uh, yeah, and uh, I was looking at other sales things. And at the end of the day, I, I just put it all on the table and made a decision. And for me, it made the most sense to go into the business. I uh, started out doing some recruiting, really got into outside sales and built and grew into management over a few years. Um, same with my brother and my sister. There, there's no pressure for them to come into the business, but independently, they made their own choices to do it. Uh, it's had some amazing moments, but it's also has, it also comes with its own challenges. Uh, I'll say as a family, it's very difficult to turn it off. That's my next question yeah. is that, you know, do you, do you have rules you've had to set for the family? Like, okay, Thanksgiving is about family, <laughs> not about staffing the universe. So uh, I'll, I'll say the rules have gotten stricter over time. And mom, uh, it's always mom. Yeah, uh, what I would say, I think it's our spouses that really started uh, to, yeah. uh, to really push for that because family dinners used to be literally nonstop just business strategy. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense, right? When you come home from a day to work, first question your spouse would normally ask is like, how is your day at work? Do you come to your family? Like, what's new at work? Like, that's what everyone talks about. Yeah, you know, you know, we have the same conversations because we're husband and wife and we go home and we're excited about what we do. And we don't, we don't feel like it's the end of the day. This was horrible. It's like, well, what did you work on there? What did you work on? Well, let's talk about it. And a lot of our friends think, Yes, it's just nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, our kids do too. <laughs> uh, I, I get it. And, you know, again, my father worked with his father. So, like, it's something I grew up around. And it, it never really seemed weird to, you know, have business talk around the household. Um, so, I guess when it's normalized for you in that way, you know, you, you just sort of grow accustomed to it. What I'd say is that at some point, I'm not really sure when it started happening, Monty started doing this thing where, if we got too much into business or too much into the weeds, he'd put his hand on his forehead, cover his eyes, and we all sort of just realized that was the the sign for enough with the business for a little bit. Love that. And, and that, signal. yeah, that that sort of morphed. And then as you know, girlfriends and boyfriends, you know, um, for me and my sister, my brother, and turned into spouses and now kids, uh, we we've really had to work a lot harder to try and keep it out of the communal family time um, and keep it to sort of business talk time. But we're all very lucky that our spouses supported us, support the business. And they understand that there are going to be times when like the five blocks need to sit down and just strategize and talk business and handle things and move things forward. And I think it creates a special relationship. And a lot of people probably think that I'm insane, but it's really nice working with your family when it works. Uh, I say, I, I will say, I love it. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but no offense to my wife or my siblings' spouses. I don't want any of them in the business. They're not <laughs> welcome in the business. Not, nothing like that. There's enough family, and we don't need to make it any more convoluted than it is now. I was just going to ask you if there are any spouses in the business. Uh, no. we, we, a, they don't want it, but B, we don't want them. Let, <laughs> let them do their own things. Uh, I will say it's very early. Uh, my sister's has a four-year-old. My sister has a four-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. I have a two-year-old. My brother has a one-and-a-half-year-old. So it's very early to start thinking about it. But already, you know, as a family business, truly in the second generation, you have to start thinking about what happens in the third generation. And it's one thing when it's brothers and sisters and, a, and the parents 
voting out when it's cousins and aunts and uncles, that's going to totally change the dynamic again. So we're trying to do forward thinking, succession planning, and working on some of that now to help us in the future. Um, yeah, it's, it's a constant challenge. I'd love to hear you share, if you don't mind, a little bit about your vision, because I think you've got a pretty bold vision for where you want your company to go. Yeah, um, I, I think like everybody, uh, we want to grow. You know, we, we want to expand. But for us, it's more than just dollars and profit and revenue. Um, one of the keynote speakers here was talking a lot about if you do things right culturally, the revenues and profit will follow. And we're really big believers in that. And as we create, as we look at our vision and mission, it really focuses on the, um, the driving value to people and understanding the greater good and the greater benefit that being in this amazing industry, we're able to provide to the communities, clients, customers, candidates, employees that we work with. So when we think about growth, we think about having a wider reach, being able to more positively affect more people. Um, and, and that's really what we're looking to do. And obviously, we, you know, there's data, there's metrics, there's numbers tied to that. Um, we want to continue to increase market share and be the best that we can be in the space that we're in. Um, and, and as we look at it, like uh, I'm young, I, I consider myself still pretty young uh, in my late thirties, but um, what else am I going to do with my life? Like I, I love, I love what I do. I love the challenge. I love the people I do it with. I love the team that we've built up around ourselves outside of the immediate family. Um, so like, I'd be lying if I said there's no talk ever about you know, potential sale or acquisition, but that's not even close to the forefront because for us, it's about loving the people we work with, you know, building something amazing, and how do we continue to grow and expand that? And part of that is how do you become a dynastic company, right? How do we become a third, fourth, fifth generation company? One day, maybe be lucky enough to have, you know, Harvard review papers written about us and, you know, the success and the trajectory and how we able, were able to do it. And for me personally, I love reading stories about family businesses and, you know, how they're able to do it. I know Bloomberg just put out their, um, you know, wealthiest families in the world. But it's like, would love to, you know, for, for purely self, selfish reasons, love to be on that list for money and whatever else, but more for the success story of a business. Yeah. And I think that is what I take out of those articles and stuff, how one visionary founder or leader is able to then pass that along to family and managers and other leaders within an organization so it doesn't just stop and get gobbled up by a PE or rolled into some other behemoth of a company I hate to say, especially a soulless company, which unfortunately there are those in the industry. Sure. Um, but how do we really create something special and unique that continues to put out that positive vibe and positive message? It sounds like you're building a legacy, <laughs> not just a business. I, I, I guess, yeah, that's a great way to put it. But yeah. And it's a little overwhelming when you think about it. Um, it we're not that company today, right? In, in the grand scheme of things, you know, depending on what, um, what metrics you look at, you know, SIA says, I think it's only 2% of the staffing industry does over $100 million a year. So, yeah, we're a larger company than 98% of staffing companies. When you compare us to the powerhouse companies that are out there, we're still, you know, a microcosm of what they do. And, and we play in this very weird space that way. And, and it's this constant driver of 
how can we grow and build to you know, market share wise compete with these companies without losing the soul of who we want to be as a company? So it's a fun challenge. And it's definitely a lot to plan for and a lot to think about. I think that's great. Having a passion and, pers- a passion and a purpose around your business and having that be your driving force rather than just profitability, I think that's really commendable. So question popped up in my mind because you've got five family members in the business, but you've, you've grown to be a very sizable organization. How do you structure a leadership team so that you have outside family members who have the appropriate voice? That, that was honestly a very big challenge for us, um, especially coming from a very small family operated run and owned com- business and getting to where we are today has definitely been a journey. Um, we've had some missteps along the way. We've had some challenges. Um, the, the biggest thing is learning to kind of let go a little bit. And if you don't let go, and if you don't give people the opportunity to step up, um, you know, you kind of stifle people and they feel um, overburdened, they feel micromanaged. And, and that's been a big challenge for us. And I, if I'm being honest, it's still not something we've mastered. Right? We're, we're getting better at it every day and every week, but um, it's definitely been, been an, a, an interesting adjustment for all of us, uh, especially Monty, who, you know, when he first bought the company, he was the head recruiter, the head sales, the office manager. He was overseeing payroll. Like, he did it all. And starting to let go of pieces as you grow and expand and build, um, it's not easy, but that's the only way you can build. Because one, any individual only has so much bandwidth. Um, I'll say we, we've very um, deliberately, I think it's the right word, put a lot of effort and energy into trying to bring in uh, diversity of thought into the organization for sure. Um, you know, the blocks, while there are certain things we think differently about, and obviously we're all unique individuals with feelings and you know, everything else that comes into that, we do tend to get into groupthink sometimes because we have the same type of upbringing, the same type of you know cultural background. For the three siblings, you know, all of our work experience is pretty much focused you know within the companies themselves. So um, I, I know such a hot topic issue in the uh, in this in the world today, DEI, um, and what we we look at that, we look at bringing diversity to our team. But not only just diversity for the sake of diversity, but can we get people that think differently and challenge the norms that we have within the organization? Um, I know I'm, I'm rambling a little bit here, but I, I do think COVID, um, for all the terrible things that COVID presented to the world, there were various silver linings within COVID. One of which I got to spend a lot more time with my two-year-old at home than I ever would have in a normal world. But the other one, um, you have this huge shift in people and companies with layoffs and changing policies and um, you know people that are re-exposed to the market. We're now you know experiencing this great resignation. I, I think the latest numbers I saw was like 33% of people expect to quit their job in the next six to 12 months. I think was the latest stat I saw. I saw I saw I, I listened to a podcast and the host Robert Glazer mentioned. Uh, read a stat that 90% of people now consider themselves to be actively in the job market. 
Yeah, like it doesn't surprise me to hear that. Um, and, and we're seeing it in the market. A lot of people actively and passively looking, and it created opportunity. You know, and for what we consider a good, you know, we're a good company. We treat our people right. Um, we, we try to do the right things to build culture, uh, build a familial aspect. That's always a challenge too, right? How do you keep all the perks of a family business? Well, you have to bureaucratize a little bit to scale and grow, but finding that right balance. Um, so we've been going through all that and we think we offer a great environment for people. And through COVID, we've, um, we, we've been able to pick up some great assets to our team. Um, at all different levels of the organization, but specifically in the director and executive level. Uh, we brought on a, a number of new players to help us continue to diversify thought and approach our problems and challenges in new ways. And it's really pushed us out of our comfort zone in some places, but so far it's all been for the best. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I can see that being a, um, a huge challenge though when somebody's challenging Monty or challenging dad. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we've had those or when I don't know if it happens with your with your brother and sister, we've had the situations where like we might go at it at a different level. Yeah. Then necessarily I might go at it with someone who's a manager. And that's okay because we're comfortable with that. But for people around us that could be really discomforting. Do you guys ever have that where it's sort of the family relationship starts to bleed into the discussion? Uh, absolutely. I mean I, I think it's impossible to, to not have that is the honest truth. And the, the discussions, the arguments sometimes, they, they get heated, but they're heated because we care, mm-hmm. right? And if we didn't care, we would just kind of be uh, bl- blasé or laissez-faire about it, right? Um, but because we're vested and we have a vested interest, that, that's why we, we get into it. And as we bring on these new people, that's been, I think, the biggest learning curve for them. And they come from all different backgrounds, some big companies, some small company, um, you know, again, a lot of, some outside the staffing industry and getting them accustomed to being in A, a family business, but B, our family business, because every family business is going to be a little bit different, oh, yeah. right? And understanding all the personalities, because there are some big personalities within our family, um, and, and, but feeling comfortable to challenge those personalities. And in the beginning, in the first few months, always, there's been some moment where they bite their tongue on something or they hold back. And, you know, we have to have that conversation of you're not doing yourself or us any favors by holding, by pulling your punches, you know, or by holding back information. Um, we, we need to hear it. I think I heard Tom Gimble say in every conversation he has, he wants to know the bad news or, well, you know, what, what, what's the bad side? Mm-hmm. And it, that's our mentality always. Like, don't, I, I don't want to surround myself with yes men or, or women or yeah, any other pronoun we might use these days. But I, I really want to be around people that are going to challenge our norms, challenge our thoughts, and, and look at everything we're doing with a critical lens and a critical scope to say, can we be doing this better? Or is there something else we can be doing? So, um, yeah, it's, it's never easy. And it's definitely been, you know, had its ups and downs, but we, we've been going through it. Well, we've had a few of those, <laughs> but let's pivot. So you were at Staffing World. What are you finding? What's your biggest takeaway at Staffing World so far? It, well, it's very nice to be back with people. Um, I've missed that for sure. Um, a lot of talk around kind of what 
what companies are doing and how they're reacting on a go forward basis. And the one thing that seems pretty consistent to me is that there's no consistency at all. Um, every company has to find what's right for their culture, their team. Um, you know, I've heard some great thoughts and ideas, but at the end of the day, it's what is going to make sense for you, your employees, your customers, your, your talent that you work with, and what's going to make you the best version of yourself that you can be. Um, I think there's a lot of new technology here that I'm seeing in the vendor halls. Um, a lot of new companies that you know, are attending either the first time or the first time I'm seeing them in a very long time. So that's been really nice to see. Um, I, I always love to see who's pushing boundaries in the industry and kind of what the bleeding edge is going to look like. Um, so I've had some great conversations around that. But it's generally just networking with people and kind of sharing the stories, the people aspect of our business. That's the most important, you know, hearing about the, the sad stuff, you know, people that got COVID, lost loved ones, um, trials and tribulations companies went through. And it's nice to see and hear that, you know, it's not nice to hear that, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's nice to hear that we're not alone in having gone through that. And there's a, a, a consolation, I guess, uh, if that's the right word, in, in kind of sharing that with other people. So that, that, that's been huge. And I, I, I so agree that very often staffing world feels a bit like coming home. So I guess I'm leaving home, but you're coming to a place where 1,400 people going through the same things, mm -hmm. having similar versions of this, the same experiences, and everyone can relate to one another. And whether it's a larger organization like Staffing Universe or it's a global pop company like an ADECO or it's a mom and pop, they've all got great stories to share about what they're doing. Everyone can relate. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it, it, it's such a, uh, you know, a great feeling. Maybe it's the family guy in me, but like, yeah, I, I think you're right. It does have that feeling of coming home. Um, I was at an event last night and ran into a few people I missed during the day at the, you know, um, at the events and in the vendor hall, ran right up, big hug. How you doing? You know, it's, you know, it's been so long. It's just, you don't get that connection. Like I probably talked to him on the phone half a dozen times over the last year or two, but it's just not the same, you know, that, that face-to-face -face interaction really changes everything. Well, speaking of that, do you, how, how is that, remote work impacting your business and will are you going to be all back on site are you already all back on site or is remote now for the life yeah, so it, i i don't have a oh i can answer what we're doing now but i don't have my crystal ball with me today to say what it's going to look like for the future um and, and the truth is we're just trying to adapt and you know we're changing and moving our policies and what we're looking to do um, as we go forward to be responsive, um, obviously putting the health, welfare, and safety of our employees as number one, but we also have to think about the health and uh, success of the organization. Knock on wood to date, um, 2021 has been a pretty good year for us. Um, you know, with our diversification and our business mix, we're able to pick up some new business and it's a crazy economy right now. So Staffing in general, I think, is on the upside, uptake, especially if you look at all the numbers. Um, but it's what we're trying to do is not fall into that trap of saying, hey, we're remote and we're doing well, so let's just stay remote forever. Because I don't think that has the right strategic look at like a 10-year plan of what's going to really grow and scale and drive the business. 
And our biggest fear is the isolationism and, and that um, the disconnection breaking down culture. And where we're really struggling over the last year on top of everything else, how do you bring new people into the business and train them and ingratiate them in a culture without having them on site with people? And you know that we've been struggling with that. And I know some companies do it really well. We haven't kind of found that secret sauce yet. Um, so right now we're in a hybrid policy and we were very honest and upfront and very transparent with our people that, hey, this is not a productivity thing. You know, you guys are doing great. You know, the team's responding. To be honest, right? Our low producers before COVID are still kind of low producers during COVID. Our rock stars are still rock stars. Like, yeah, not much has changed there. Uh, maybe the numbers or scale has changed a little bit, but our thing that we're trying to address is connection and collaboration. How do we continue to build and grow that with our team? How do we bring in entry-level college grads and have them work with senior level people who have been in the industry for 15, 20 years and really have knowledge that they can share on a real-time basis while they're on calls or while they're working together, collaborating with one another, pop into a meeting for five minutes and not have to schedule a Zoom call a week out because everyone's calendars look crazy when you're just looking at time slots, when you're sitting in an office together, oh, you're not on a call right now, I'm not, we got five minutes, let's go pop into a collaboration room and talk to one another for a little bit. So that's really what we're trying to address right now. So uh, with that, we're on a, uh, and it's two days uh, in office, three days remote, and it's purely optional which days right now. We're not mandating any days. Um, we told everyone, work with your managers. We want to have coverage, right? We want to have departmental coverage if we need it. And, um, and they're trying to balance really only having about half the staff in the office at any given time, you know, maybe 60%. But also being in the office when people are in the office, so you can collaborate, connect, and talk. So the managers now are trying to kind of control those schedules. It, it's one of those things I try and stay out of the weeds on that one. Yeah, I think hybrid is extremely difficult to make work because it's you end up with people in front of you that you're working with directly, and it's easy to forget the people that are remote. And I just keep watching what's happening, and I'm, I'm with you. Like, we don't know where this is going and we're trying to stay transparent with our team to let them know we're still learning. We've never been here before. This is all new to us and everybody else around us. So we're making it up as we go along. Yeah. Um, but I, I do I do wonder, you know, the, do you think that your culture can survive hybrid and remote? Or do you really feel like you need to be in person? Because it sounds like you're, you're leaning that way. So I don't think uh, I end Again, if you ask five blocks, you might get five different answers sure. on this. I personally don't think we will end up with a five days back in the office for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I, I sort of see more of a sliding scale where based on either tenure or productivity or you know role within the organization, different people will have different schedules and can come and go or at least have more flexibility. You know, we've toyed with the idea of maybe unlimited PTO. So like, hey, you got to be back in the office, but you have unlimited PTO days or, you know, you this uh, a more flexibility around working from home. The expectation is you're in the office, but if you need to be work from home, you can, like, we'll, we'll be open to it. Um, we haven't found the right kind of secret sauce for that. So this is sort of our half step. And we're going to see, I'll tell you, um, two of our, I guess, divisions are mostly back in the office five days a week. Uh, more of our support side of the house. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, they find it's better. They, they, they're more productive. They work better together. They collaborate. And as we hire new people onto those teams, it's pitched to them as five days in office. And then they're told after either 90 days or six months, when they're up to speed and fully with our systems and everything else, then they have the option for work from home days with permission. But that, that's how those groups within the company, and that's not driven from corporate level, that's on a departmental level, that the managers feel like that's what those departments need to be successful. So you know, it changes, but the recruiters, the, uh, the salespeople, the production staff, for them, a lot of it is, you know, there is an uh, individualistic aspect to what they do. And a lot of them would like to be at home, but a surprising amount do want to be back in the office. So trying to balance that, you know, we said two days in office, I've got people coming in five days a week. I've got people coming in, you know, three or four days a week, depending on the weeks, because they want to be there. That, that's their social life. That's how they engage with people. You know, if you're 22, 23, like that's where you meet a lot of your friends, you know, going to happy hour after work or, you know, um, different, you know, company events and things going on. That, that, that's how you start to build a network. Um, and it's funny because everyone thought early in COVID, it was going to be all the millennials, Gen Z that said, we're never coming back to work. And, and I find that they're the ones that like they're living in studio apartments or, you know, they don't have the nice house in the back. They want to get out of their houses so badly. Yeah, um, so it's it's definitely been interesting. Yeah, there's no separation for them. Work, yeah. work and life are together, and there's no separate space, and that's hard. And I, I myself have run into that. You know, my favorite—I'm lucky. I live in New York City, and I walk to and from the office. But that 15, 20-minute walk to and from is my decompression, right? And like, I usually either listen to a podcast or some music or whatever, and I I turn my brain off from work for that 20 minutes. So when I get home. I'm kind of fresh-eyed, you know, or you know, clear-headed to engage and be with my daughter and my wife and kind of think about family. Now I I'm working till seven, eight o'clock at night straight through, and my wife's gotta be like, hey, it's time to bathe the kid. What are you doing? Get off the kid. I, I stop, I go bathe her, I'm right back on the computer. Like there, I don't have that decompression break anymore. I feel like a lot of people, and we're seeing this, we we've we've had to pivot to more remote uh started demand from our workforce. When there's no clear boundaries, then you, you get chaos. And so that's what we're learning is if you're going to make remote or hybrid or on-site work, find the boundaries. You don't have to micromanage. We will work these hours. We will report this time this way. But we have to set the guidelines because without the guidelines, people just get lost. Yeah. I think it's really important for mental health, too. You know, having that separation from work and, and decompressing and stepping away and allowing yourself to think about something else. We actually had that exact scenario with one of our success team members who sort of had to be, the law had to be laid down about what was acceptable and what was not acceptable because she was bouncing all over the place. And her response was, thank you. I feel so much better knowing what's okay and what's not okay than when I had yeah, it makes total sense to me, and especially for like production-minded people or people that are held to some measured on metrics. It, it, the natural thing is like, let me do more, 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 and at some point, you got to also recognize that that's a sliding, you know, law of diminishing returns, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the output might go up, but the quality is going to go down. So I'd rather them do a little bit less and bring somebody else on, but. You know, it, it does get tied to comp, it gets tied to incentives, it gets tied to, so if they have the ability to keep pushing, they're going to. And, and I think you're absolutely right. Drawing boundaries or cre creating guidelines and expectations, you know, is vital to make it successful. All right. 
I know we promised you about a half hour. I think we've already gone over because this is too much fun. But I, I've got one last question. You're welcome if you've got any as no, well. Go ahead. I want to ask, we're here with, with ASA, nice enough to grant us this spot to record. So people who aren't at staffing, we talked about some of the benefit of connecting with others. But what's the most fun about staff? <laughs> the most fun for me, it, it, it's getting to have the, I, I, I love to have a good drink. So uh, I, I, yeah, I, I like to, I like to do my fair share of drinking. And I think everyone in Stefan kind of does, you need to, to be in this industry, but um, getting to kind of break down the walls with contemporaries and friends uh, from other companies and people network and chat with them. That, that to me is the most value here. Um, you know, I, my calendar ends up, I, I try and attend as many sessions as I can for whoever's <laughs> listening, but I end up spending a lot of time just meeting with people and scheduling one-on-ones and, you know, happy hours and dinners and that. And, and we have such a great time and a little bit of commiserating, a little bit of sharing stories, um, bouncing ideas off of one another, hearing how other companies are tackling similar problems that we're experiencing. And I love talking. A lot of the big companies are here. And some of those big companies are also family-owned companies, family-run companies. And getting to hear how they've gone through their trials and tribulations, gone through where we are to get to where they are now. And I love just having those conversations and be able to, you know, just pitch ideas. And it's so great to see friends. And I, I try to engage and keep in touch with LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever throughout the year. But it's just not the same. You know, no. it doesn't hit home the same way. Yeah, it's not the same. I was going to say, the opportunity you managed to commiserate with with friends and colleagues you even found competitors yeah and you mentioned the bigger companies it, it always astonishes me how open people are willing to be and once you humanize one another the better relationships and ultimately that's better for everybody's business and stress so i, I yeah. love being here and to that I, i'm a big believer and one of the reasons I, i'm a supporter of asa and I, I think they're doing wonderful things but we need to continue to grow and better the industry and all boats rise with the tide, right? And if we can expand the industry, expand you know, our, our market share as an industry, each company is going to see our piece. And I consider them all friendly competitors. And I have no problem going head-to-head against my, uh, my competitors who are above board and do things the right way. And you know, I'll win some, I'll lose some. In the long run, we're all friends. We collaborate, we work together. We, we work on coalitions. We work on partnerships. We have subcontractor um, relationships both both ways with a lot of companies, mentor mentee relationships. So we do a lot of work with them, and I, I think together as an industry, we just got to keep pushing to better the industry, and ultimately, uh, I, I think we'll all come out better on the on the back end because of it. Awesome. That's a great place to stop. I think. Thank you so much for taking time out of thank, I'm busy schedule. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, this was a lot of fun, and uh, glad we were able to do. It. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brad. Uh, have a good one. point where these aren't fun i'm not finding <laughs> i always get a little nervous and almost dread being you know like am i gonna ask a dumb question do i know but every time i get on i talk to people and their stories are so great and i love hearing um, this one was great because family business is one of those near near and dear and it was so great to hear about you know his grandfather and his father and what they're building and having his brother and sister and mother involved in the business. And then they inverted and you know, his father worked, his grandfather worked for his father. Yeah. It's pretty spectacular. It's very unusual to hear, but, um, and, and then the shifting to 
bringing in people outside the family and how that changes the dynamic. Yeah, I can, I, I can relate to that because as we look to build a leadership team, any business that's looking to build a leadership team to take their organization to the next level, we're going to say culture, culture, culture. But there's a dynamic, whether it's a family dynamic or it's past relationships with the current senior leaders, figure out how to make that dynamic work. And what Brad's company has done that I thought was very clever is they're intentionally looking not for someone to fit in, but someone to bring in diversity of thought. And I thought that's an outstanding way to look at it because it's easier to bring in someone who looks and sounds like you and agrees with you. But I was thinking as he was talking, like, have you ever wrote a paycheck to, for someone to be a yes man? No. And that diversity of thought is so valuable. Yeah. And, and well, and developing a culture where people have the trust to be able to step up and say, you know, I disagree with you and here's why, or no, you know, and I have this other idea and I'd like to champion it and being able to do that. I think that this says a lot about their family dynamic and their corporate culture. And obviously culture is really important to, to them. Yes. And of course, the other side, learning to let it go, although I was surprised it wasn't mom. I guess that one, I guessed wrong, but it didn't make it, didn't surprise me. Said, no, it's usually the spouses that uh, say no more business talk on Thanksgiving. It's kind of funny, but I would expect that from you because your parents work together and my parents work together and we work together. So the spouse has always been involved in the business. So you wouldn't even think that way. You wouldn't even think that way. <laughs> another, so, another interesting point for me was I, I was pleasantly surprised when we asked him about what he's hearing here. And he said that he's talking to all of his contemporaries here at Staffing World about how they're dealing with the challenges of their workforce and the recruiting challenges and technology challenges. And everyone's got their own strategy. And what I really like that he said was that the strategy has to match your strengths. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense, but I've not heard people think about it that way. It's like usually you see people playing follow the leader. Oh, what's the best practice? I should do that. But Fred's saying, no, what's right for the organization? Well, clearly work has changed because of COVID. And I think that's part of it. Like you're seeing companies really prioritize, you know, what makes them different? What is their culture? What do they value? And finding ways to bring that to their employees so that their employees have a home. I think uh, my last one, the theme between our two podcasts today, that trying to adapt to change is really the only new normal. There is not a new normal. It's we're going to have this consistent period of adaptation. And I like Brad saying, you know, it's really an emphasis on connection and collaboration to figure out what's next. I think it was our last podcast with John Reed, and he mentioned the story of, you know, if you are constantly writing with your right hand, you you can't write with your left hand, and then all, suddenly you have to start to write with your left hand, and you turn and you become ambidextrous. So that change is really good for us. We grow through change. We grow through ad adaptation. We grow through being uncomfortable, and we've all been thrown in this uncomfortable situation. And in the end, you know, I'm sure I can't diminish all the bad things that happen, but there's a lot of positives. Change rarely feels good until you're through it, and then it feels really good. In terms of how you improve as a person, as a business, uh, you know, we're thinking about kids. You know, you take away their challenges, They're, they don't adapt, they don't change. All, all really good lessons today. Yeah. 
It was fun. All right. Well, that wraps up this edition of Secrets of Staffing Success. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love to have a review uh, or just simply click the star ratings. If you've got ideas for a future show, reach out to us. We would really love to hear from you. And you can reach out to either Vicki or me at info at Thanks so Thank much. You.